Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, Zen Zenith. Zen is a musician and band manager, podcast host, guitar instructor, We talked to Zen about his background, growing up as an unschooled child. Very fascinating conversation with Zen Zenith, and we also listened to some music from his upcoming album that he's working on, titled To Be Determined. He also played in the band Please Do Not Fight. We'll hear some music from that band as well. Sit back and enjoy another episode of Music Live Radio, this one entitled The Art of Zen Zenith. Welcome, Zen, to Music Life Radio. It's, I'm glad that you could be on the program today. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, the first question I have for you is your name on Facebook. Yeah. Now, I might pronounce this incorrectly, but it's Good. Zen Tao Journey Jilmeric Stevenson <laughs> Zenith. Is that right? Or it's, am it's, I way off? You're re- no, you're really close. It's <laughs> Zen Tao Journey Jamalric Stevenson Zenith. Uh-huh, all yeah. right. And so, we just had some hippie parents, or how did that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my parents are, I mean, hippie, I don't know if hippie is the word I would use, but that's usually the, like, canned answer I give, because um, it's the easiest the way easy. to explain it, or explain it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they were definitely really progressive. I mean, all my siblings have strange names. My sisters are mystical and celestial. My little brother's name is Freedom. And uh, I, we were raised as vegetarian. We were raised as homeschooled. So, yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot of progressive thinking that was going on um, in our childhood. And you were born in England? Yeah, I was born in Truro in England, which is uh, near Cornwall in southwest England. Um, And my my whole family is British, and we moved here. We kind of moved around a bunch, but we settled in California when I was 13. Um, My dad moved here. He's a computer scientist, so it made sense to be in Silicon Valley. Oh, what a company was he working with, or was he freelance? Um, he was he was like doing contract work for a bunch of startups, and he had a couple of startups he attempted as well. He's actually now not doing that as much. He's moved on to philosophy and uh, back to poetry, which is actually what he yeah. originally started doing. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of music were you listening to or influenced by when you were growing up? It's kind of funny because I feel like, I mean, my parents definitely listen to music, but we weren't a super musical household, and most of the music my parents listened to, to be honest, was really best described as adult contemporary or pop music of the time. Oh, really? Yeah. The music I, I think of from growing up was uh, Cat Stevens and Michael Jackson and Phil Collins and Tracy Chapman was another one we heard a lot, Billy Idol. That sounds like a MTV generation almost. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And with some like random quirky things thrown in there. And it actually wasn't until... And, and I wouldn't count a lot of those under my influences, maybe Cat mm. Stevens. Um, it, it wasn't really until my friends started getting into music when I was a teenager that I, that I even got into music at all. 
like even as a thing to listen to. Um, so I got on the music train really, really late. And it was really, I think, my friends who influenced my musical tastes more so than my parents. Although I will say that my dad had pretty hip music taste in the 90s. He actually, it was like one of these weird things where he'd be like, check out this music. And I'd be like, oh, that's so uncool, dad. Like, you're my dad. Uh, so uncool. <laughs> but it was like the Smashing Pumpkins and oh, like yeah, the yeah. Eels and like <laughs> Alice in Chains. And then later my friends were like, you know, like check out the same bands. And I was like, oh, this is actually really sick. <laughs> so, so I like dismissed all that music at first because I didn't, you know, because my dad was trying to introduce me to it. And then later kind of saw the, saw the light. And when did you get interested in playing music? I go to this camp in Oregon um, uh-huh. for homeschoolers. It's a homeschooling summer camp called Not Back to School Camp. And the first year I went, there was just so many kids there playing guitar that it really inspired me. And so when I came back, I started taking guitar lessons. This is when I was 15. And I mean, the thing that really got me into playing music was that one, all of my friends started getting into playing the music. And so it was it was very much a social thing for us to like, work together and jam and hang out in the garage and just make noise. And that was really the thing that was fun was, was working with other people and playing in a band more so than the actual act of playing music. I was a terrible student when I was a kid. I never (laughs) practiced. (laughs) Um, And then the second part of it was I just, I really wanted to write songs. Like I just Mm -hmm. found myself finding solace and really connecting with a lot of the songs I was hearing and, and uh, yeah. And so I wanted to be part of that. Well, you, what did you start with? Acoustic guitar? Yeah, I actually, I actually was playing bass first. You know, my friends played guitar and drums and sung, and I they needed a bass player, and so I started picking up the bass. And it was really just the fact that I wanted to start writing my own songs that I switched over to guitar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say, I mean, primarily through my life, I've mostly played acoustic guitar. Like, I don't really songwrite on electric guitar. And mm-hmm. um, for a while, I lived in Portland and was in a little band with my friend Brent. It was just the two of us, and we just both played acoustic guitar. So... So you moved to what San Francisco area, or was where did you move to from England? So it's kind of a long trail. We were in okay. England, and we went from England to Connecticut oh. to France to <laughs> Illinois, and I mean, there's reasons for each of those sure. moves. And then from Illinois, Illinois was the first like startup my dad was involved in, and then mm-hmm. finally to California. And then my family's been my immediate family's been based out of California ever since. Um, and then I. When I turned 19, I moved to Portland for a year and a half because I was having my moment of, I got to get out of here. Oh, sure. And well, that's the, a good place to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> love, yeah, I love Portland. <laughs> Portland's awesome. Um, and then I came back and I went to school in LA at the Musicians Institute. Um, and then finally back to the Bay Area, settled in San Francisco. But I, but I grew up in, my parents uh, primarily lived on the peninsula. So I grew up in like Redwood City, Sunnyvale area as a teenager. But you were going to the homeschool camp at age fifteen. Yeah, you started going. So you were you might have been out of Connecticut when the first time you went there, or how did that work? No, yeah. So we we uh, we got to we got to California when I was thirteen. Okay. Yeah. California when we were thirteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So California by the time I was thirteen, and then the camp by the time I was fifteen. And I mean, I was I was involved in homeschool groups mm-hmm. in all the places we lived mm-hmm. at different points. So except for France, because we didn't speak French. <laughs> <laughs> What did you pick up from the Music Institute? Musicians from the Musicians Institute? I mean, the thing that I think was most beneficial for me about going to the Musicians Institute was two things. Number one is that, like I said, I'm an awful student. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though I consider myself a really good teacher, I'm actually not a great student at times. And it really helped me to have 
um, some structure around what I was doing. So mm-hmm. for, for me, it was beneficial because I'm also someone who's really scatterbrained. So it's easy for me to get distracted um, and not be able to make time for things that are really important. So it was good for me to take a year and a half where that was my thing that I was doing. That was mm-hmm. all I did all day was work on playing guitar. So, um, so that was really beneficial. And then the other big takeaway for me was it was just great to be around other people who are really serious about music and the teachers of the Musicians Institute are just phenomenal. They're really, really great. And I have, I have some issues with like the administration and the school in general, but as far as like their staff, the mm-hmm. staff is amazing. And, and so to, to see these teachers who are all professionals in the music industry, they're not just teachers, you know, they're not just people who like went out of school and jumped into teaching. Well, those are the best schools to go to when you, right. you know, you've got people in the industry actually. Right. Yeah. When you. the people you're learning from yeah. are actually doing the thing they're trying to teach you. Yeah. So that was really great. And it was just cool. I came away from there really feeling like, okay, I kind of see what the steps are now to get, you know, from being, you know, what you have to do to be a, be a musician and become someone who does that professionally, you know, whether it's songwriting or being a hired gun or whatever it is. And yeah. Now, what kind of school is that? Is that a four-year program or? No, it's, it's kind of like a vocational school. school, Yeah. It's sort of, you know, it's basically a music program minus all of the general Mm -hmm. education requirements. Mm -hmm. So it's a year program for certificate and then there's a year and a half program, um, which gives you a BA. Is it all specifically about music, or is there a music business uh, related classes? Like so they have they have different tracks. Um, tracks. Yeah. yeah. So I did the Guitar Institute mm-hmm. program, and so they have they have different programs for guitar, bass, drums, vocal, all the rock instruments, keyboards. Um, there's also a recording uh, component. There's a uh, there's a production component, and, the, and there is a music business school there as well. And so the nice thing about that is one of the things I did while I was there. You know, you have to you have to take your core classes that are related to what your specific vocation is. So f- for me, it was all guitar related classes. Mm. It f- kind of felt like being at Hogwarts. Actually, it was just like <laughs> blues guitar class yeah, yeah. and like you know and like rhythm guitar class <laughs> and like just cool stuff like Sounds that, like fun. slide guitar. Yeah. yeah. And um, but then you get a certain amount of electives, and you can kind of choose from the other programs to take some of those mm. electives. So I, I threw almost all my electives into the music business program, mm. which was, which was fun for me because music business is something I'm interested in as well. So you've actually been managing a band too, right? Yeah. I managed the band picture Atlantic yeah. out of San Jose. How did you get involved with that band? Well, uh, first off I was a fan. I'm just a, I'm a huge fan of their first album, uh, Cleos and their first album. It's, it's an album for me that I still listen to and, mm. and, is sort of a defining sound for a certain period of my life, you know? And it was the first local album when I came back from school where I was like, oh my God, these guys are legit. Like, this is Mm -hmm. so good. Like, this is so professional and uh, the songs are so strong. So I was at first a fan. And then because whenever I'm a fan, I always, I'm one of those people who's like, I got to become friends with these people. (laughs) I've got to know their secrets, you know? So... Um, so my band started playing shows with them and, you know, we, we worked with the same producer. Um, we recorded please not fights album, my band, please not fights album with, uh, their producer. And so he kind of started connecting us too. So we started playing shows together. And then, so after playing shows for a while, we, uh, started hanging out a little bit and those guys are all huge gamers and big, uh, nerds. And, I think the turning point from coming from going from fan to like real friend was they started inviting me and Aaron, who was in my band, Aaron Keeley. She played violin. 
to come and play Dungeons and Dragons with them. So we really <laughs> bonded and became close friends over playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Um, yeah, and then when Please Not Fight broke up, they were just a band that I was always, I always kind of said to myself, ah, there's so much potential and I can see the holes. Like I see, sure, yeah. I see where if only there was someone who could like sort of guide them a little bit. Not that I'm like, you know, the, like I know everything, but just I, there were th ways I felt like I could help them. And mm -hmm. so when my time opened up a little bit, I was like, this is sort of my opportunity to, to maybe help these guys. And I feel passionately about their music. So. And they also were in a space where they were looking for help. They were yeah. sort of feeling like they needed someone else to come along and give them a hand. So, well, and you have some of that background, yeah. skills that you could use. So, what what do you do as a manager for the band? What's a typical for Picture Atlantic? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it kind of goes in stages. So, stage one was just really going over their internal organizational structure, like who's handling what. Like you know, within a band, you want you want to. I, especially if you're a band where you're doing all of the work in terms of the management and booking, mm -hmm. you really need to keep things organized. And they're one of those bands where they'd have all these like documents on Google docs that were never getting filled out, you know, uh. like someone would do something and then just not fill it out. And then someone else. And so um, just like making all that stuff happen so that they work kind of like a little company where mm -hmm. someone does something and they document it and then other people can see that they did it. And we don't have to like be talking all the time and having all these meetings. So getting that going, getting them just feeling clear about what their mission statement is and like what the goals of the band were, mm -hmm. setting, just goal setting, large goals, small goals. And then th this year has basically been about just improving their overall presence in the local music scene, mm -hmm. like playing better shows, but also like appearing there, improving their online persona. So working on getting some professional music videos made, getting really good photos, getting an electronic press kit. So all that stuff mm -hmm. is is has been what's been going on the past year. It's just like building up the the entity that is Picture Atlantic. And now that they're at that point, they just played the Great American Music Hall last month, and so they're and they just released a really great music video. And so we're finally at this point where I feel like now my job is to show, try to put them in front of the right eyes. Oh, so as a manager, I feel like. It's goal setting and helping them get to this point where they're sort of self-contained. Like all the work I took on when I first started managing them, they're now doing themselves. Mm -hmm. And so now I can kind of go and I'm free to like start shopping them around essentially mm -hmm. to, to people and just trying to create opportunities for them. Oh, great. Do you work with any other bands in that capacity? No, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't think management is something that I'm like in for the long haul in terms of, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Like, I would never want to be like, I'm a band manager because I feel really selective about who I want to work with. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I guess if it's the right person, like in the case of Picture Atlantic, but I just, I'm someone too who just has a lot of interest in a lot of different spots. Like I could mm -hmm. see myself at some point owning a studio or, or running a record label or, you know, owning a venue or something like mm -hmm. that. I don't really care what I'm doing as long as I'm helping people that... I believe in essentially. Mm -hmm. And then the other component is that I also write and record and play my own music. And so that has to also be a priority. Oh, of course. So, so let's jump back to uh, please do not fight. How did you guys get together and form yeah. up? Yeah. Please not fight was a project that I started in 2007. And that was the project that I started coming right out of school. So that was sort of me taking everything I learned at school and trying to apply it. And, and it came together 
pretty organically. Um, I had some buddies who lived in the Bay Area that I wanted to play music with. And my friend Erin, who I'd known from before, had just moved to California. And she was a violin player and a pianist. At the time, I'd only played in bands where we had guitar-based drums. And so I was looking for something a little different. So she joined the band. And, and essentially, we, we spent a, like eight months, me and Erin, just writing the songs for the first album. And then we recorded them with our drummer and our bass player with Erin Hellum in Oakland. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the start of the band. And after the album was recorded, going into it, we'd always said... Uh, this isn't about me trying to put together a band. We're not. We're not putting together a band here. We're just trying to project. put together an album. Yeah, yeah, it's a project. And so once the album was recorded, we just were kind of like, you know, whoever wants to stick around to play the songs can, but there's no, you know, there's no commitment. And so at that point, our drummer Spike was like, well, now it's done. The album's done. I'm going to move to L.A. So he moved to L.A. and we ended up getting our drummer Cubes, who ended up being our pretty long-term drummer in Police hmm. Not Fight. So it was me, Aaron Cubes, our bassist Bo for a while, and uh, my buddy Jeff joined the band shortly after that too. So it kind of moved through phases. We had we'd have an album, and then we'd get the people together to play that album. Yes, without warning. October was a surprise There's a video that's running in my room tonight Well, November is here and things are clear And now I think, I think better when it's dark
What was your goal in in this project? I mean, my goal in Please Not Fight was to write songs I was really proud of and have mm. have a fun time playing music with my friends. Sure. And then the second component was was to save the world. That was <laughs> that was early on when I was a kid. I I really had it in my head that music was a power that could inflict change upon the world. And I've always been someone who's been pretty socially conscious and politically uh, minded. And so uh, early on in Please Not Fight. I was very intentionally trying to write lyrics that were uh, reflective of those interests. Yeah. And then uh, when you started playing live, did you have any idea of like how many shows you wanted to do uh, or was it just kind of here and there? No, I mean, I've, I always like went all out balls to the wall with, with police do not fight. Um, We wanted to play as many shows as possible and, and tour. And uh, I put a ton of work into that band. Um, and I mean, I essentially was the manager for that band mm-hmm. as well as being the lead singer songwriter. Early on, it was slow going because it's hard to book shows early on, but eventually we were playing very, very regularly. Well, what's some of your favorite moments? One of my favorite Please Not Fight moments is playing at Cafe du Nord for Live 105's uh, Not So Silent Night local hmm. band contest. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we made it in the top five for that. And it was actually a really big turning point for us because before that we'd only been playing really small bars and just hadn't had a whole lot of exposure. Mm-hmm. And we that bill was us with uh, Picture Atlantic, Music for Animals, Dizzy Balloon. And those are all, they were all very notable local bands that mm-hmm. had sort of names for themselves. And so just the opportunity to get a play with them, like we ended up becoming friends with all those bands because of that show mm-hmm. and got offered other shows with those bands you know if it hadn't been for that show i mean it just it just opened up a lot of doors for us it really took us to another level and so that was just a really fun event yeah and then after that i mean i I think the show that came from that was playing blake's in berkeley um which is a venue (laughs) i i actually really love that's closed down now um dizzy balloon played a show there and they sold it out and we got to play main (laughs) support for them and it was just a crazy show it was just packed to the brim I remember, I think we covered Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters theme song, and <laughs> and uh, like released all these ghost balloons into the audience. Like, and it was just, it was fun. It was just like all these kids who were there just stoked to see Dizzy Balloon, but because you know they're all they're all like sort of high school age kids, and they were just really pumped for all the music that was happening that night, and they just mm-hmm. went crazy for us. And the crazy thing about that show too is that the opening band was the Jakes, who are now uh, Young the Giant. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, they're a pretty giant band now. They just mm-hmm. like sold out the Fillmore two nights in a row, <laughs> you know. So, it's cr- yeah, that's yeah. a highlight. And then I think, I think my other big highlight is actually our closing show, like our final show. We had a we had a final uh, show at Bottom of the Hill, and it was just packed, and everyone was. It, I was very touched by hearing people sing along the songs and and how much support we had, kind of going out. Now, what led you to say this is your final show? Did people just want to move on to other projects or were you ready to move on? Yeah, it was kind of up to me. I, I, I eventually was the, I was the one who basically pulled the trigger. And like I said, my favorite thing is playing music with my friends. And Mm -hmm. so there's this element where I really want, I really want to hold on to the idea of being a band, you know, of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we're the four people that are in this band and we're always the four people in this band. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly sort of an old fashioned idea, especially these days with people having so many other jobs and it's like so much harder to make money being a band. It's really hard for four people to just commit to one, one thing. 
And so we just had like a lot of turnover in the band. We had, we had a lot of members who came and left as many bands do. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'd kept with the original intention, which was let's record an album and then let's play the songs from the album. And then let's get a new group together. Whoever's on board to record the next album and play. I think that would have been a much more sustainable model. Mm -hmm. But because I got kind of attached to the band thing, it also meant that I got a little too attached to, the creative input of the other band members. And so we just ended up having this revolving door and it got to the point where I felt like creatively it just wasn't gelling with the group we had. And no, no offense to the other people I was playing with. Like uh, at the end there, we had Chris and Kyle and they're awesome guys and super great musicians. But whatever the seed was that I had really enjoyed about Please Do Not Fight at the beginning wasn't there for me Mm -hmm. anymore. And also I think another big part of it too is I wrote a lot of those Please Not Fight songs coming out of Musicians Institute. And I have um, I think my style as a musician, as a singer-songwriter had changed a lot. And so my new material wasn't really matching up with my old material, but my bandmates kind of felt like they wanted to play the old material. And so it just, was, it just got to the point where it kind of wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, this isn't fun anymore. I can't quite put my finger on why. I think there's a lot of different factors. And when something's not fun anymore, it's just, you know, I mean, especially with the amount of work that I put into that band, it just felt like it, w- it was time. So you're working on songs for a new project. Would you consider using the name Please Do Not Fight, or, or is this a no? This, this is a new. Yeah, this project. is totally brand new. I mean, to me, Please Do Not Fight is a very particular vibe, and also a group of people. Like a lot, like a lot of the songs I wrote for Please Do Not Fight, I wrote with Aaron Keeley, and she's not part of this new project. Mm-hmm. And so, this project is a lot more, is a little bit less collaborative, and is a lot more me. Yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, this will be a, this will be a brand new thing, and I don't know yet whether it'll be a band name or whether it'll be my name, but mm-hmm. that that's still all sort of in the works. <laughs> the full name or your shortened name? <laughs> <laughs> Zen down journey to Mark Stevenson Zenith. And what would be even better is if I had like a band and they were and the something, yeah. just to, like make it extra long. I've considered being Zen and the art of. Yeah, actually, that would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what what is your goal for this project, other than to put a new body of work out there? What do you hope to do with it after you've yeah. Uh, recorded? Yeah, I mean, my goal for this project is to just, the immediate goal is to write the best album I possibly can. Part of the problem with Please Not Fight was that I got so wrapped up in the music business side of things that the creative side really, really suffered. I mean, that was another reason I think it stopped being fun was because I, my headspace was so in, oh, I got to go online and like Facebook and blah and like all this stuff. And we, we never really like sat down and uh, we're like, let's just, we need to just set aside time and just make a fantastic record. And so my goal for this project is to really learn from my mistakes and please not fight um, and really focus on the album. I totally have a bunch of ideas about what I want to do with the material once it's done. And it's all really pie in the sky like you know i've got all these like business plans and things and i'm every time i start thinking about that stuff i purposely right now i'm like nope don't <laughs> not, think about it the there's time. no there's no product yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah that was the problem with please not fight is is n- not enough product great like all the infrastructure around <laughs> not a solid product and so yeah i'm really trying yeah. to to just focus on making some great music with some friends right now now do you plan on making some videos yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, we're going to probably document the process at some point. And yeah, when the album comes out, there will be a full 
campaign around yeah. it. We'll do music videos. We'll do all that fun stuff. So yeah. let's take a musical break and listen to a little Zen Zenith recorded live at Music Live Radio Studios. This one entitled Broken Sound Bites. Overthink till those thoughts feel strange. Our wrecking balls have stayed the same. Keep pushing walls that are never coming down And follow things at first dismissed Wonder how it came to this Find comfort in those city sounds Well, I would relive it all again Pray for a break in self-discipline Follow the path I've always been Stuck to somehow and shuffled in And there's not a place that I have been That I could do without See consolation in suburban towns The kind you used to bike around I knew the spots that stayed open after twelve there's wisdom in childhood regrets, broken sound bites on an old cassette, tiny gifts that express the excitement that we felt. Well, I would relive it all again, pray for a break in self-discipline, follow the path I've always been, stuck to somehow and shuffled in. And there's not a face that I have sinned that I could do without. Tell ourselves we still feel 22 Get scared of the teenagers who Are hanging out by that diner that you love To spend your time when you were young What does music mean to you? I feel like music is this crazy intangible force that is just really, it's hard to define. I mean, music means a lot of things to me. Music music is primarily about community, I think, in, in a big way for me. It's about playing with my friends. The thing I always, the thing I always think about when, when I think about music is that music is an art form where you're re, you, you have to be good with people to an extent. Like you really have to collaborate with other people as if they're your peers. This is maybe less true now, but certainly back in the era of the band, mm. um, that, that was something that was really, really appealing to me. You know, if you think about like painting, it's sort of, it's a pretty solitary art and most arts I think are pretty solitary. Even filmmaking, I think, you know, when you're a filmmaker, I mean, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on there, but people tend to be at different levels within the project, right? Mm. And whereas 
making music, you, there's really this like synergy that has to happen between people on this very like peer to peer equal level. And I really, really enjoy that about music. I think music has the power to build long lasting, sustainable community in a way that other art has, has more trouble with. Um, I mean, all the music, I mean, the music community in the Bay area is, is, you know, so strong for me and, and the friends I've made out of it are really, really important to me. And then, Beyond that, I think music is also, it's just a unifier, whether it's like great ideas that come out through the lyrics of your music, or whether it's just getting a bunch of people to dance together. Like music is just like the the glue for me that holds the universe together. I Whenever I meet people who are like, I don't really listen to music, I'm always just like blown <laughs> away. Like, how do you live? <laughs> there are a few odd people out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, you also <clears throat> teach guitar. What do you get out of that? Being raised as a homeschooler, and really, I keep saying homeschooler because that's the term that everyone understands, but what it really is, the way I was brought up was something that was called unschooling. And unschooling is where you're, um, a, you're, you're essentially a self-directed learner, so there's no curriculum at home. Everything you learn, you learn because of your own motivations. Um, and that's not to say your parents are just like hands-off. But the, I think the ideal situation is that your parents serve as sort of a guide. Like, check this out. Do you like that? Okay, no. All right. Oh, you really like that? Great. Let's get you classes. Like, let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the way I was raised. And, and as I got older and understood a little bit more about that philosophy around education, I became more interested in it and, and more supportive of it. And um, especially from going to not back to school camp and, and just being introduced to other unschoolers, um, I became really passionate about unschooling and, and sort of through that became really passionate about education. So, um, you know, the unschooling sort of led to me like thinking about the school system and like, mm-hmm. and how people learn and just, just starting to understand a little bit of, of, of all that. And it's interesting in modern day, in the modern day world, to me, that study is, is now has a name. It's called, you know, behavioral economics to me is very much a study of, of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but back, back when I was a kid, like people just didn't even think about that stuff. So I w- I've been really interested in that. And so teaching for me is, is a, a nice way to sort of m- merge my two main interests, which are really education and music. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's fulfilling f- for me to, to get to play my instrument for a living and it's fulfilling to me to get to see young people or I mean I teach adults too but just anyone get something out of music you know to to see people improve and just connect with them in that way is really fun what is your approach to teaching the guitar my approach to teaching the guitar is to tailor it to the student I mean I'm very I have a very unschooler methodology (laughs) you know I'm not I'm not going to teach someone something they don't want to learn yeah. I'm not going to teach someone something their parents want them to learn either. Like, like here's I, Mel Bay's uh, book. We're going to go through. Yeah, page yeah, seven. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's none of that, you know. And I mean, and I think there's certain instruments where that works a little better too. Like, I mean, classical piano is very much like step one, step two. And I mean, you know, I'm not doing anything revolutionary. Revolutionary. I think most guitar teachers teach the, the way I teach. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just try to. I try to um, teach based on what the student wants to learn, and I try to sneak the stuff I think is important into the lesson, you know? So I have a very like, oh yeah, well you want to learn this Green Day song? That's awesome. And let's talk a little bit about what the chords he's using, you know? And I try to be very flexible with 
the student's learning style. And I think that's something some teachers have trouble with is teachers, teachers tend to have their teaching style mm. and it's not always flexible. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't practice this week. I gave you this really boring thing to practice. You didn't practice it. Well, <laughs> you must just suck. Like, you know, I, I try to be a little bit more, if like some students just want to come in and play their favorite songs. And if that's what they want to do, I'm going to try to steer them a little bit into a more regimented and structured way of learning so that they can, they can improve quicker, but mm. I'm not going to force it. And, and likewise, there's some students who are like, I need you to do this. We need to do this step by step. I need a mm -hmm. book or something. And that's fine too. <clears throat> so yeah. I just, I just try to be, I just try to be really flexible with my students. Yeah. Let's get into your podcast. You were hosting a podcast mm. for a while. What are your plans for that? Yeah. So I had the podcast Zen and the art of, and, um, so I have this tendency in my life to take on a million bajillion projects. <laughs> I have this, I, I'm definitely someone who's like, I've got to be busy all the time or my life has no meaning, mm -hmm. you know? And just this past year, I've really come to realize that sometimes I'm taking on projects that are easy to do because they distract from the bigger projects that are hard to do. So right yeah. <laughs> now, the really hard to do project for me is making time to write this album. Uh -huh. Like, it's just something that I have to make. I have to carve away the time for it or it's just not going to happen. Like it's not mm -hmm. going to magically manifest itself. And so unfortunately I had to say to myself, I need to cut some things out of my life. And the podcast was one of the things that it was just, yeah, it was just taking up too much time. I feel bad a little bit because I actually, it's not something that was easy and it is really, really fun to do. I really enjoy podcasting. I love listening to podcasts. Like I said I, before, I, I'm just, I'm a big fan of things. Like I'm mm. a big fan of people. And like, so having the opportunity to have a, have a venue for those people so I can like showcase their work and talk mm -hmm. to them about it was really, really appealing. Um, so as far as my plans for it go, I, I would like to do it again at some point. And, and I can even see it being part of maybe the, the album that I'm about to release somehow, but for the time being it's, it's on hold. Yeah. There's a musician, uh, Robert Ashley, I don't know if you know him at all. No. He's in the he's the Bay Area guy. He does a podcast called A Life Well Wasted. It's about video games. He did about six of them, uh -huh. and then he took a hiatus to work on an album, and now he's back doing it again. And that's uh, awesome. It was well worth the wait. So your podcast <laughs> was very interesting because uh, you didn't stick to one specific subject like a lot mm -hmm. of podcasts do. And uh, I found it very entertaining. So, uh, yeah, I hope you uh, pick it up. Thank you. Point. I actually got a lot of great feedback about mm -hmm. it. So I really would like to pick it up again. And I actually have two episodes that are like on in the bank <laughs> right now that I haven't released yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would like to release those episodes. And, yeah, I'd love to get back into it. It, it was really it was really fun. And. And the grab bag approach that I had appealed to me because, like I said, I'm sort of scattered. And I have a lot of interests, so it was fun for me to get to explore those and not just sort of get pigeonholed into one thing. Uh, like, what are some of the interests outside of music? I mean, so music, education, I'm really interested in psychology. And, uh, and then aside from those three things, I'm also just a, I'm just a huge jumbo nerd in terms <laughs> of just, I, you know, I have TV shows I love and I love... I love other art forms too. I love filmmaking. I love painting. I love, um, you know, I used to draw comic books when I was younger. I love comic books. And, uh, and I'm just also just really interested in people who do cool things, you know? Mm -hmm. So like whatever that, whatever that cool thing is that, uh, that someone's doing, uh, however people are spending their lives. I, I just find people's stories really interesting too. So, um, 
yeah, I just have a bunch of different different nerdy interests. I mean, sp- science is another one. Space. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, now let's get back into film a little bit. Uh, you were either a producer or a director of some of the videos, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Picture Atlantic just released their uh, new music video for Edgewood Road. And Edgewood Road is my favorite song on the album Digital Tension. Mm-hmm. So as their manager, I sort of, you know, <laughs> this is like one of those ones where it's like, this is totally in their interest. And also, uh, <laughs> it's sort of the thing I want to do. So yeah, we're just yeah. going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, let's, we got to do this song. And I, I have a really good friend, Chelsea Christer, who's a really great director. And so her and I worked together on coming up with the concept for the video and I, I, yeah, I basically produced the whole thing. That was really fun. And then also with their twist music video too, that was a concept that I helped cook up. So all the music videos so far, or the last two music videos have, I've been involved in pretty heavily. What's uh, next for you? Yeah. Next for me is working on this album and continuing to manage Picture Atlantic. I mean, so I'm, I'm sort of hunkering down to work on an album at the same time that Picture Atlantic is. Mm-hmm. So the timing's really good in the sense that there's a little less day-to-day grunt work that has to go on within Picture Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really excited to start putting together the crew of people that's going to help me record and write this new album. And I'm really excited to start working with Picture Atlantic on their new album because I've, I've heard some of the songs and they're amazing. And those guys just are at this point right now where I could really see it turning into something really, really great. And so I'm really excited to see what that yields. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of just hunkering down and being creative for the next eight (laughs) months or so, I think. Now, where can people go to learn more about you or people picture Atlantic? Yeah, people can find out about Picture Atlantic at www.pictureatlantic.com. They're on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, check them out on Spotify. And you can find my music right now if you want to check out Please Do Not Fight. We're also on Spotify, uh, pleasedonotfight.bandcamp.com. And then uh, to keep in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Zen Zenith. All right. Is there anything else that we you'd like to talk about that we didn't cover? No, I don't think so. All right. Thanks again to Zen Zenith. Make sure you check out Please Do Not Fight and the band that he's managing, Picture Atlantic. Their websites are posted on the Music Live Radio webpage. We're going to leave you with an acoustic song recorded live at Music Live Radio Studios, Zen Zenith, performing Bones and Gratitude. Thanks for listening. Trail through these woods has proved treacherous Steps once wild with a claw grow more cautious It's not to say I haven't tried Felt your hand here at my side Before you go I'll throw away all that's left of you, you display bones and gratitude for those in name who have fallen through. Trace those razor edge hills through the city skyline. Disengage the clutch and coasted down the other side Where it saddened me to find that the rush 
didn't make me feel alive Batten down all that's left of this former life It's passions and anxiousness that I decide it is old and riddled with Things I despise, oh but what I wouldn't give To take it back myself bound to your views but now I'm losing you I will be so different it's not to say I haven't tried felt your hand here at my side before you go I'll throw away all left of you, you display bones and gratitude for those in name who have fallen through, those in name who have fallen through, those in name who have fallen through, fallen through, fallen through, fallen through, fallen through.